Cloud and Clear, the podcast by SADA for innovative business leaders and technology enthusiasts, where we explore how Google Cloud is transforming the industry and what that means to you. Now, here's your host, Tony Safoyan. All right, I'm really excited to have my special guest this week on Cloud and Clear. Um, welcome, Paolo. Hi, Tony. Nice to see you. Paolo's the, the founder and CEO of Embodied, and they have some incredible technology that was just released actually yesterday as of this recording. So the timing of this conversation is really, really uh, fantastic. And uh, we met, you know, a couple of weeks back when we were, our teams were talking about kind of the use of Google Cloud in, 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 their, in their product that they're taking to market. I won't take too much of that thunder. But before we get started, Paulo, I always like to start um, these conversations with with really about your background, the person who I'm speaking with. I like to the audience to really get to know you. So um, please tell us your story. Well, uh, I'm an Armenian born in Iran and raised in Denmark with an Italian name, just to make it more confusing. Uh, so, <laughs> so at an early age, I... Uh, left Iran and ended up in Denmark in my mid-teens. Uh, and uh, as many uh, immigrant parents would do, my parents were encouraging me to become a doctor. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, right. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I was sort of convinced that's what I want to do. And I was interested in science always. And uh, by mere coincidence, I ended up having a computer. It was a Sony MSX computer that was a contender to the Commodore 64 at the time. Oh, wow. And uh, it was literally like a black box. I ended up with this in my la on my lap in the summer vacation. And then I started figuring out what to do with it. And I started learning how to code and got so fascinated that I locked myself into the, my room literally for the whole summer vacation. And my mom actually thought I was on drugs because it was I was very social. I had friends. I would go out and... I didn't do that for a couple of months and I started coding, which was uh, really changed the trajectory of my life. And I went and uh, pursued a career, uh, education in computer science and, for, and eventually got a ro robotics PhD in Denmark wow. uh, before moving to the US. Um, you know, my children are who's seven and nine. They have varying ideas over time around what they want to do. And my nine year old, Ask me, you know, how am I going to know when I know that this is the thing? I'm going to be like, one day you're going to lock yourself in a room for months and you're not going to come out and you're just going to be obsessed with something. And that's when you're going to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually great when that happens because there are some, some people uh, at that age that really do not know exactly what to pursue. And it's, it's amazing that for whatever reason you find that passion and you know when you know, right? Yes. Some people would never experience that moment, by the way. Mm -hmm. So we feel we should be very fortunate that uh, we've experienced that. So um, and then so tell me about the career trajectory, because I'm so fascinated with what you've built and embodied and how the, how the company was formed. And, and by the way, I'd love to talk about the people that have joined you and your executive team and other roles. Like I could just couldn't believe the star studded cast at the, at the, at the team there, the body, but what are the paths that led you to uh, starting embodied? Well, it's actually uh, sort of when I said it in my, when I was 16, I was in Denmark, I had been displaced a few times to, to, 
I mean, to to I even tell my son this to encourage him. If if ever he's discouraged about whether he's doing great or not, and he's a great student in at USC, uh, I graduated high school at 21 because my life was disrupted several times, and I was delayed in my schooling by many years. Mm. Uh, so at 16, 17, when I discovered the computer and so on, uh, that gave me a motivation and drive to go really graduate high school with high grades so I can get into university and get my degrees and all these things. And ironically, during the same few weeks around the time where I sort of got this computer, I saw this fascinating documentary on TV about this company called Pixar. This is like in the late mid eighties or something like that. And uh, I saw their, one of their first short animated uh, movies, which was the uh, uh, lamps jumping around playing with a ball, the mom, mama lamp and baby lamp. And I was so fascinated and, and mesmerized by that because I was just trying to learn to code. I was literally started with assembly code where I was use peak and poke instructions to put turn on pixels on my screen. And then looking at this, where there was this lifelike animated characters that you could relate to. They had, they were exuding emotion and life and all these things with lighting and all of these effects. I was like, wow, that is amazing. How can you use a computer to do that? So that drove me in that direction. Eventually, as I got my PhD in robotics, uh, I was always fascinated with that notion of what if you could uh, take those Toy Story type uh, characters and bring them to real life. Uh, And eventually, after many years, I didn't go directly to that because the technology also was not ready. And also I wanted to work for NASA JPL, which is where why I moved to the the US to California to work on on the Mars rovers uh, and precursor missions for uh, uh, creating habitats on Mars. Uh, and then found my way into entrepreneurship as a CTO of a very newly fa- uh, started startup uh, by Bill Gross of Idea Lab in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. And, and that was fascinating. And, and I was curious about entrepreneurship and startup because you hear all the buzz when new startups were taking off and all these things. And you wanted to learn about that. So I learned about that and then eventually started my own company, uh, which ended up developing an amazing technology for visual navigation technology where we would use cameras to map the environment and know where the robot is uh, at a very low cost. And uh, eventually uh, in 2012, we merged that company with iRobot. So that technology now powers all of iRobot's products, including their flagship robot Roomba, Yeah, uh, uh, which basically now has ability to know exactly the layout of your home and go from room to room and so on. Uh, while I was at iRobot, it was exciting. I was the CTO and head of product reporting to the CEO and I loved working with the CEO as well. Amazing entrepreneur. He started the company 25, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. still the CEO of the company. And uh, But I felt looking back in my career, I felt like I haven't really pursued the passion I wanted. So I wanted to go pursue that. So I left my job at iRobot to my uh, family's dismay. <laughs> yes. But you know, entrepreneurs have to do what they need to do. So I thought I'm just going to do it, right? So I, I started doing some research in it and uh, trying to figure out what are the applications where you could actually build a business around the notion of having life-like animated characters. 
Of course, you could go after toys, but toys is not a is a cutthroat business, and you can't really use technology. I mean, if the toy is more than ninety nine dollars cost, yeah. Uh, yeah. then it's hard to make it successful. So I looked around. One of my other passions was, and I'd done research in this at iRobot actually at the iRobot Research Labs uh, was use of robots to help the elderly who want to live independently in their own homes. Mm-hmm. And you can assist them with robots to, for various tasks. And that was the direction of inclination I had um, and uh, did some research and then discovered that actually there's a lot of children out there that could benefit from having uh, robots that can support them in understanding uh, uh, either learning things that are educational related, but more importantly, uh, I start actually looking at children who are on the autism spectrum, mm. uh, who have uh, significant needs for getting therapy to to uh, train on social, emotional, and cognitive skills, which can end up being super expensive, um, right. uh, but absolutely necessary. So start going in that direction and start uh, developing a concept and talking to a lot of families and showing a Moxie's uh, sort of early early iterations and showing to families. And clearly there was a huge enthusiasm about having a tool that can scaffold the child's development and help them under, uh, sort of improve their social emotional skills. Uh, while doing that, a, lo- a lot of the parents I would talk to, they would tell me, uh, we have also neuro- a neurotypical child. Why can I not use this robot for my neurotypical child? We would say, well, there's no reason why, but why would you want to? Right. And, and that led us to doing some deeper research and understanding of the fact that every child can benefit from improving their social emotional skills. As a matter of fact, uh, as I'm sure you are, young parents sort of your age uh, are aware, uh, in the recent five plus years, there's been a lot of studies that's showing what we call EQ skills are as important, if not more important than IQ skills. 100%. Whereas our emphasis to date, even today in our schooling system is really on IQ skills, right? That uh, observation led us to doing more research in that area and seeing that there's actually a need for it and it could be a massive uh, social impact if we could do that. And so we decided to go develop a robot that uh, can help uh, enhance child development. And that's, that's Moxie. As someone who's, uh, has to hire a lot of people at different, you know, different experience levels has hired a lot of people has to still hire a lot of people and develop those people to their full potential. I can tell you that EQ is possibly the, 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 the biggest determinant of someone's success in their career trajectory. So, <laughs> and that's exactly my experience as well. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I come from the science and technology sort of background in schools and so on. That's all focused on, on the uh, IQ side of things. As a matter of fact, my father himself was an engineer, so I was even brought up in that uh, sort of mindset. And it was not until my entrepreneurship career started where I started understanding how social skills and soft skills, as we call them, and they're not that soft, but we call them soft skills, uh, are super important uh, in accomplishing anything uh, that's worth accomplishing, which is usually hard tasks, right? Inventing new technologies, new products, new category, uh, generating business and all that. So yeah, 100% agreed. 
how did you build the team around you? Obviously, what you're doing in itself is exciting, right? Like the, the just cause and the purpose and the mission is exciting. Um, you yourself, I think, have the credibility to be able to recruit, you know, great people. But tell me about some of the leadership there and why they chose to join, you know, your journey and your company that you founded. Because the types of people you have are, they can go do anything anywhere in the world for any company they want to work for. But they came and joined you. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's, it's actually super difficult uh, to leave a job where you have an established team, you know them, uh, you have budget and everything, and then leaving that uh, and starting from scratch and where you have to have really good persuasive skills. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the way actually it started uh, is I started working on the concept itself uh, by myself and some friends. I have a friend uh, who is a, a designer extraordinaire who lives in uh, Glendale and has done amazing designs of furniture to products and so on. So he was starting a company of his own, uh, a new tech, more tech oriented design focused company. And he had, he ne needed someone to help him with some of the business modeling and spreadsheets and so on. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. So I said, you know what, I'll do that for you. If you help me create a, uh, graphical design of, uh, our product concept. So he, yeah. he generated a, we worked on the design together. He des designed it for us. And then he generated a movie that looks real, right? So he, he basically <laughs> took this uh, computer graphics model of the character of the robot and put it on a real background of actors interacting with it. Um, and that would have cost, if I went to the typical industrial design houses to do this, that would have cost a million to $2 million. He did it relatively, yeah. it was a... It was a barter between us. I, good. That, was, that seems like a good deal. Did he get the better deal or did you get the better deal on that barter? I think we, it was pretty on par. It was pretty <laughs> on par. He was actually trying at the same time to recruit me to be the CEO of the company he was starting, right? Oh, and I'm like, I'm like, I would love to do that. I hate to say no, but I mean, this is what I want to do. I left a, my previous job to go do this. Yeah. Uh, so, so that became a, uh, and, I, and I built a bunch of, did a lot of research interviews with parents and so on, started building this before I even contacted any investors. Uh, the, the other thing that was challenging was the first part I'm going to talk about is bringing investors on board and then the team, right? Right. Because, okay, yeah. yeah. So I knew and everyone to everyone, it's obvious that it's a moonshot to say, I'm going to build a character that's in the real world, going to interact with you with conversation, body language, eye contact and smiling back at you and so on. And on top of that, it's going to help your child develop it's that a, so you're intersecting technology with child development and psychology and neurology. And, and everyone's like, are you crazy? I mean, there's 10, sorry. It's science yeah. fiction. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so that I knew that, right. I mean, this was like a bold move. Uh, but fortunately, as you said, because of the track record uh, and connections, as a matter of fact, the first call I made was uh, to Dimitri Grishin, who is the founder of mail.ru, the equivalent of Google in Russia. Right, right. Uh, and he and I had met each other a couple of times on different panels when I was a CTO at iRobot, at CES on a, on a panel and at another conference at panel. 
for some reason we had chemistry and hit it off. He was in LA a couple of times to, uh, for the Academy Awards. I went and picked him up. We went to dinner. And one day he told me, he says, Paolo, if you ever leave iRobot and you want to start a company, I want you to call me. I want to invest. I wow. said, okay, great. Uh, and so the first call was over Skype. He was still in, uh, in Moscow. He has moved to, the, to Northern California now. Uh, he was sitting in his office and I called him on a Skype and I said, here's what I'm going to do. And he said, Paolo, this is crazy. You're putting me in a dilemma because I told you I'm going to invest, but this is crazy. <laughs> How are you going to pull it off? And I said, listen, uh, if it's not that hard, it's not worth doing. And he says, you know what? I mean, count on me. I'll put in half a million dollars as a seed uh, and so on. The next call I made was uh, to a gentleman called John Lee, who was at the time at Osage University Partners firm, venture capital firm, whom I'd met uh, when I was at iRobot. I helped start their corporate venture arm to start investing in startups and so on. To keep yeah, right. And we were interviewing someone to uh, join, to run that uh, venture team. And John Lee was interviewed there and we hit it off again. And so I called him, he decided to invest in the company. And the third one was uh, Wendell Brooks, who is the head of Intel Capital, whom I got introduced to through uh, Brian, who at the time was the CEO of Intel Capital. And I showed him this thing. He said, this is crazy, exciting, go talk to Wendell. And I went and within 10 minutes, Wendell said, we'll do this. And so we put a four, $4 million round together. That was the beginning. And then I started now trying to convince other people that they should join my team. Um, and you've got to use persuasive skills. Now, the good news is that now we had a concept that looks real on, on video. It was all computer graphics, but it looked real and compelling. Uh, we had funding. So... I started contacting some of my older colleagues. So our mechanical engineer was actually one of the first hires who was, uh, I'd worked with at my previous company's early days, Evolution Robotics. He had left on and joined a bunch of different companies. I had talked to him about this and he was like, I'm not sure, but when we got the funding, it would jump on board immediately. Like, there you go. The other person was a person I had not known, but he was one of the other uh, electrical engineer from uh, Ideal Portfolio Company that just shut down. They were doing 3D printing. It didn't work out. Mm. And he turned out to be an amazing master uh, Swiss army knife of everything, right? So day one in the office, it's me, Peter, and Ulrich, who are the, the two people I just mentioned, and uh, then start building from there. It's really brick by brick, That's right. uh, convincing people that this is worthwhile and just going from there. And so birds of a feather flock together to some extent. Not exactly like you don't have to know the person as a friend, but by reputation, if you recruit certain caliber of people that are super interesting, then all of a sudden, the, maybe the uh, formerly skeptical get really interested, whether it's investment or joining the team as a leader is like, Oh, so and so is there, or so and so invested, huh? Exactly, exactly. Hey, and the same. Speaking of EQ, all this stuff requires a ton of EQ that you're doing, and, and you did, <laughs> right? You, you can't right. build a company without EQ. Your IQ almost almost irrelevant in the journey you just described. So it's more justification, Absolutely. more more a case study around why uh, why your your first product so important. So yeah. let's talk about. Moxie. When I saw the demo the first time we spoke, I was like, and you had it there and it was like a beta. 
I couldn't believe what I was seeing because I you saw the website and like that's one thing, but like when you brought it out, do you have it there by the way? I do. Do you want to see Moxie? I think the world wants to see Moxie again, uh, even though they've probably seen your other release videos, but uh, why not? Let's do it on Cloud and Clear as well. So I'm going to turn my camera over uh, so you'll see Moxie here. Wake hey. up, Moxie. Hi, Moxie. Paolo, hi. Are you ready to play? I'm ready to play. Do you want to show your demo? Of course. What are we going to do? Uh, let's start with asking you a couple of questions. All right. What do you want to talk about? Uh, where are you from? I'm from the Global Robotics Laboratory. What is the GRL? Global Robotics Laboratory, also known as the GRL, is a secret laboratory where robots are built and then taught how to be good friends to humans. And what is your purpose? I am a robot ambassador. I can play games, tell stories, and support positive social development in human children. Uh, what is your favorite movie? I haven't seen very many movies, but I like Star Wars. R2-D2 is one of my heroes. What's your favorite movie? I like Star Wars 2, actually. I like learning about things you like. I could talk about the GRL all day, but we don't have that much time. Maybe we could talk about my mission instead. What is your mission? I was built to learn how to become a good friend to humans from my mentor. That is my core purpose. I definitely need to learn more about that. But in the meantime, we can talk about my home, the GRL. No, it's okay, Moxie. Uh, let's, uh, let's see if Tony has any I questions. I think so, too. Okay. We'll ask Tony if he has any questions. <laughs> That's amazing. Paolo, what stands out for me is, to your point about emotional connection, and we talked about this the first time, the fact that, you know, it's the first experience I've seen where it's like a rounded face, and you talked about the technology that allows it to follow you. It knows where your eyes are, so it's looking at you. And it's a graphical face. So not only are you seeing the facial expressions and the micro expressions, but like you can actually bring information over like the GRL logo. It's really, it's really something quite special. Thank you. Yeah, no, the eye contact is super important. We spend a lot of time figuring out to refine the eyes and the, the face. We, we did not want to have a display like a flat panel. So creating a curved display was actually one of the hardware challenges that came, that led to many other challenges, just actually relevant to the conversation with using your services here. Uh, so the robot has an array of microphones mm -hmm. that used to figure out who is talking so we can focus the beam on that person and, and filter out all the background noise and so on. So yeah. that's really important, right? And you see this in, in Google Home type devices. You have four microphones usually or more that allow you to beamform and listen to the speaker and not get distracted by any other noise. So in this device, it turned out to be a super difficult thing for various reasons. 
One, when we put this display up, first of all, the robot has seven motors inside a box, right? When the motors are moving, they rattle and make a bunch of noise inside it, which interferes the microphones. Right. Google Home doesn't have that. It's a static device, doesn't move and sits around. On top of that, the display we had to create, it's actually back projection, right? So we had curved display, we have back projection. It had a bunch of challenges, but just speaking of the voice recognition technology, the Google ASR that we use on this. Uh, So now we we have this heat source that's emitting a lot of heat on top of the processor inside this enclosed box that gets hotter and hotter and hotter. So we have to mitigate the heat. So we had to put a fan that blows the heat and create a chance to blow the heat outside of the, uh, the vessel of the robot. And now on top of the seven motors, we have a, in the head, now we have a fan sitting right next to microphones that's buzzing in the background. And now it's causing super confusion. I mean, this took us about a year, maybe more, to figure out how to, how to finesse the technology and optimize the technology to make it work on a robot like this, because it was not working. Like we would we would send our speech to Google ASR, it was just garbage. So we had yeah. to clean the noise and all these things and so on. So that alone was a bold move for us to make a decision on the design to say, we are not gonna compromise the character of the robot. We need to have a curved face, but it led to a number of major technical challenges. So you're telling me the technology behind uh, the robot most of the processing is on board, right? It's native. Absolutely. And that's part of like the fidelity and the speed and the natural expression and the movement. But the one part you had to um, kind of use an external cloud service API was was, was the Google uh, speech recognition technology, right? Yes, exactly. Why did you choose that? I mean, there's other options out there. Why did you choose Google Cloud for the speech recognition? Um, so we evaluated a bunch of different solutions out there, um, and, uh, and found that Google cloud ASR is actually super accurate and it's getting better and better over time. I mean, first of all, when we're developing this, this product, there's no shortage of technology that goes into this. There's a ton, a ton, and you have to pick and choose. You can't, we cannot solve every problem, nor do we want to. We want to solve the problem of the the need for the customer. And so if there's an off-the-shelf solution, and ASR was something that we said, we are not going to compete with Google and Amazon, Alexa, and all these yeah. things. We let's, let's just partner and choose the best one. And after evaluating a lot of solutions, we found that that's a very flexible solution, and it's a very uh, sort of pretty sophisticated and accurate solution. Uh, and it's getting better and better over time. And then the other thing we have noticed, not that Google actually makes any official announcement about this, but we just notice in performance, almost every six months, we see a step function improvement mm. that gets better and better where like, for instance, at the beginning, uh, you had to pronunciate words very clearly, like yes, no. Now we can say, yep, mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> like we can detect a lot of uh sort of mannerisms or nuances in conversation that make it really uh, uh, solid for interacting with children who may not follow clear instructions, nor do we want them to, especially in the context of trying to teach them social, emotional interaction. You don't want them to interact like a, interacting to a machine. 
right? You want them to interact the way you would interact with other people. Yeah, what's what's really exciting about working with with your company and and other super innovative companies is how. So this is the promise of Google Cloud. The promise of Google Cloud is that Google is going to take the decades plus of experience in cloud, as far as infrastructure, tech, you know, network security, etc., plus marry with with all the other aspects around AI, ML, speech recognition, visual recognition, video, photo, etc. And then because Google has one of the largest data sets and one of the longest tenures of experiences and one of the you know, most prolific training uh, devices for the consumer world, you know, with 2 billion of these around, that kind of stuff, then it's going to take that and then allow for the enterprise, for startups and, and companies of any size to benefit from all this experience in a way that's disproportionately better than the others because of like the DNA of who Google is. Absolutely. And by the way, I don't know if I've shared with you what else we are using that is Google technology, which which has all been important components in creating this uh, product. So we didn't have, if we had to reinvent everything from scratch, this project could have easily taken 20 years, right? Right. Uh, so, so the other pieces, as you mentioned, 90 plus percent of the computation of the robot is happening embedded on the robot on a $10 processor. It's a processor smaller than what we have in these guys, right? Wow. Uh, and the reason for that one is we wanted to make this robot affordable to masses. We did not want to end up with a $30,000, $40,000 robot, which is what you will see is the state of the art right now. This robot yeah. is about $1,000 plus $50 a month in subscription fees, similar to owning a cell phone, right? Right. Uh, so very, very, getting it embedded was very important. Now, how do you do all of this? Because the, the thing is running not only NLP, a whole NLP stack that we developed. So we get the Google ASR in, and then we have NLP stack that mm -hmm. interprets what was said, and then the robot figures out the right response back to the child. That NLP is running in real time embedded on the robot. And then we have a whole vision stack that's doing a ton of things, including like figuring out eye contact, but also does emotional recognition, can detect where you're smiling, frowning, and a very sophisticated micro expressions are extracted by that. We can actually recognize uh, objects too. We do object recognition and all that. All of it embedded on this $10 processor. Uh, and very sophisticated, complex software. The, ecos the ecosystem of the software is similar to an app store. A bunch of things are running at the same time, parallel threading and all these things. So we didn't want to invent an operating system of our own, but we wanted to have an operating system that's available. So we ended up actually using the Android. Android oh, wow. was our choice. Uh, so the Android OS is, is the operating system driving this thing. And here's the reason why. Because of the ecosystem that Google has created for cell phones and other applications, primarily the smartphones, that now you can uh, run uh, the next Google technology we're using uh, is TensorFlow Lite. We're running TensorFlow in all of our machine learning algorithms here that are used for vision and many other things is running embedded on this thing as well. It's unbelievable. Uh, on a $10 processor, you can run Android. And we are running all that on top of all the other things that we're, then the, la the layers of the technologies that get more and more complicated. But that's, yeah, those are and, all and running. TensorFlow. And TensorFlow. And TensorFlow is running there. And then the, the rest of it is we do a lot of analytics where we can extract uh, metrics of the child's uh, skills and skill levels. And all of this data gets analyzed. We 
encrypted and anonymize the data and store it actually in the cloud to share it with the parents in a dashboard. So the, again, we are using Google Cloud services for all of that. Uh, uh, so there is a, a, a huge stack of technology that we are we have benefited from in using Google. This is precisely the promise of this technology. Without this technology, you could not build Moxie, certainly not for $1,000, and have the potential at all of transforming this sort of com uh, completely transforming the way that uh, children with, with, with specific needs or just even regular, uh, you know, n normal everyday children who maybe don't have the emotional um, EQ kind of uh, uh, that they could have if they interacted with, with, with something a certain way. And by the way, I'm, I'm an only child, so I can only imagine what it could have done for me. You know, I was very shy and very yeah. reserved for a very long time because I, I was an only child. We moved around a lot, right? I didn't have a lot of social interaction. But it's exactly the promise of like allowing a startup with really smart and motivated people to completely transform an industry. Why? Because you're starting like 50% of the way there mm -hmm. because of the yeah, stack. Absolutely. No, actually, not only 50%. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot more than 50%. I can tell you this. I mentioned that early in my entrepreneurship career, I joined a startup at Idea Lab with Bill Gross. Bill Gross was the founder of the company called Evolution. And uh, the vision Bill had was to become Microsoft of Robotics, which was way too early, but a very bold vision for his uh, time. Uh, but what we ended up actually doing, we wanted to build a home robot. Whatever that concept was, it was a home robot that you could talk to, it could do surveillance for you, could read books and so on. Not very dissimilar to the thing function. And we tried and we had a team of like 50 plus people. We could barely, barely get the robot to understand one command like stop. <laughs> we could barely, this is about 15 plus years ago, about 20 years ago probably. Yeah. We couldn't do that. It was impossible. Without like Google ASR, impossible, right? And then you can't go to the vision systems. We actually ended up developing an amazing vision system, the vSLAM technology that's now embedded in Goomba mm. that can, again, on low-cost processor and all these things. We did that and it took us about 10 solid years of development to do it. Wow. Right? Because yeah. there was no such thing like TensorFlow or even machine learning was not where it was. So it was not possible to do these things. Or if you did, yeah. you had to be uh, persistent like we were and just stick at it and keep working on it. Originally, the first algorithm we had was running on a Pentium grade uh, gigahertz level processor. We kept optimizing it manually to bring it down to run on a small processor. And imagine how much, how much money and funding was required to even get it to that. And 15 years ago is not that long ago. <laughs> if you think about it, the, the progression ago. over the last 15 years is amazing. And there's one other thing I, I'm realizing that I'm looking at Android, TensorFlow. And look, this is part of what makes Google amazing is like the fact that they develop these things, then open source them. Without those things being open source, Apollo, you couldn't really do it either. Let's say TensorFlow was there and Android was there, but you have to pay hundreds of dollars per device to run it. Or a few hundred thousand dollars to get a developer license even to start with. <laughs> exactly. 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 No, this is this is definitely fueling a lot of uh, innovative brains that may be sitting somewhere in Midwest in their garage and deciding to uh, pick up coding and can do amazing stuff uh, with this technology that's out there. And 
and it's just started accelerating the uh, the uh, the progression of uh, sort of improvement in technology in these areas that we are talking about, machine learning particularly, is exponential. This is like only like an only 2020 story in some ways only a google cloud story if you really kind of give credit where credit is due where people like you with your experience and your teams and your ambitions can imagine something that just a few years ago would have cost 10 times more if or if you could do it at all and then bring it to market in a matter of a few years it's amazing we love working with customers like you we love the story we love the fact that you're an la story <laughs> And the immigrant story, of course, personally, coming from where our, our background is. But, you know, we wish you tons of success with the launch. I know it's early. And you let me know if there's anything we can support you in any way to uh, contribute to a successful launch of not only Moxie, but whatever comes after Moxie. Um, we're here for you. And it was just a very, very great honor and pleasure to have you on, uh, on Cloud and Clear. Thank you. The honor is, uh, is mine. I really appreciate the support and uh, great to get to know you personally as well. So looking forward to continue working together and doing amazing things. We will go to dinner soon. Whenever yes, this, whenever, whenever we can. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paulo, great to meet you. Thanks for being a guest. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Have All a good right. one. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.